always think about Michael Buble when I hear him say. Anybody else? I, I do. It's been 20 something years ago. You know how time flies. Jeannie was teaching school in Ackerman, Mississippi, fourth grade. I was invited to come to school and bring a shovel. I'm not making this up. I wondered what she had done. We had a few. No, not for a fourth grade. All the kids had written on a piece of paper things that they could not do. And they put the pieces of paper in a shoebox, and we went to the back corner of the school property near the fence and dug a hole, and we took turns and buried the shoebox of things the kids could not do. Maybe they wrote, I can't kick a ball past second base. I can't get Debbie to like me. I can't do long division. I can't spell correctly. I can't be quiet. I can't stay out of trouble. Whatever it was, they put the I can'ts in the shoebox. Buried. I thought it was a great lesson. Those kids are in their early 30s now. And I hope they remembered the lesson. I know the question before I ask. Have you ever been stopped by I can't? Sure you have. We all have. There's some things that we maybe have in our mind. Some true, some false that we just can't do. I can't hit a golf ball the way I am supposed to hit a golf ball. That's why I quit. The last time I played golf will be the last time I played golf because I was so bad. I can't do it. Now, if I wanted to, I could take lessons and I could work at it and practice every day. And maybe I could, but that's one of the things I can't do. Today, we're going to look at it. We all have a list of what we can't do. Today, we're going to look at the question, is there anything that God can't do? Is there anything that God cannot do? Before we do that, let's pray. Father, put us on the same wavelength. Put us in position today to learn. We pray your Holy Spirit would work in all of our lives. Wherever we are with you, there are some in this room that have walked with you a long, long time, and others that are just starting. Well, everywhere in between. Father, help us each on our level to connect, to be inspired by you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we say that God is omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent, all-powerful and all-knowing and everywhere. We say there's nothing beyond God's power. We say there's nothing that God cannot do, but, well, that's not true. There are some things that God cannot do. And it's good news, I promise. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 2, there's at least one thing God can do. We read three verses, 11, 12, and 13. The saying is sure. If we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You notice there what God cannot do? He cannot deny himself. 
Some scholars say that these verses were written as an early hymn that a choir likely sung. Others say that it was used in early baptism. It's clear to me that these words were meant to encourage us and also to challenge us. A verse at a time. Verse 11. If we have died with Him, we also live with Him. So what that means is if we're Christ followers, we have died to ourselves and we've become new creations. Way improved versions of what we once were. At verse 12, the first part, if we endure with Him, we also reign with Him. Those words remind us about our responsibility. Christianity is not a fad, not a passing fancy, not something we try for a little while. It's a commitment, a lifelong walk. So it's something that we have to endure till our last day. Matthew 10, the second part of verse 22, reminds us of that. The one who endures till the end will be saved. Now the second part of verse 12 in 2 Timothy 2, if we deny him, he will also deny us. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. Whoever denies me before others, I'll also deny before my Father in heaven. So these verses are challenging this new believer, maybe in a baptism service or maybe being sung by a choir. Now to what God cannot do. Verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let's look at the first part first. Some translate this in the wrong way. They say the part, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Uh, this doesn't mean that he'll save us no matter what. It does not mean that everyone makes it to heaven. It does not mean that uh, we all have a free pass. If that were true, there was no need for Christ to come and give his life for us. Let me tell you what it means. It means if we are faithless, he remains faithful. It means if we are faithless, he won't change for us. He remains faithful. It means that if we are faithless, he won't lower his standards. He remains faithful. It means if we are faithless, he won't say, oh, it's okay. He remains faithful. It doesn't mean if we're faithless. It, it means if we're faithless, he won't look the other way. He remains faithful. So no matter what we do, and no matter how wishy-washy and crazy this world is, and it is, isn't it? That God's always faithful. For he cannot deny himself. We need to think about the implications of this. That he can't deny himself. He always stays who he is. It's great news because he'll always be the same. The scripture tells us that. Malachi chapter 3. I am the Lord. I do not change. Hebrews chapter 13. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. James 1, 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from our Father who created all the lights in the heavens, he never changes or casts a chain of shifting shadow. You ever know someone that changed for the bad? Maybe. It's a sad thing. God will do that. How confusing would that be? Years ago, when I was a minister of youth, I would play a game with the kids, and we were in Indiana, so it had to involve basketball. And so they would have a basketball, and I would change what a shot would count. They didn't know if they should make the shot or not. If it went in, I might give them two points. I might give them five points. I might give them 100 points. I might take away 1,000 points. They never knew what to do. If they dribbled, maybe they would get points for it. 
and maybe I'd call traveling or maybe I wouldn't like the NBA doesn't. And I would change the rules all of the time in the game. And usually about halfway through, they want to quit. It's like, we, we don't like this game. We want a consistent rule. Rules are good. Consistency is good. And God will never change. He won't deny himself. God will always keep his promises. He cannot go back on his word. I thought about this in the middle of the night last night. Parents make a lot of promises to kids. And you do your best. And you think, you know, I, I tell our kids when they're young, 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 you know, when you get 25, you can date. And, and then they turn 25, and it, you have to keep up your promises. Taylor, one day, we were in Indiana, it was middle winter. Taylor was young. We were in Henryville, so two, three years old. We had a big brick hearth on the fireplace, and he fell down and hit his head, and he bled just a little bit. And to try to get him to stop squalling, I made him a promise. Honey, if you quit crying, we'll do anything you want to do. That came out of my mouth. Anything you want to do to a three-year-old is really not the best. But I had to keep it. I mean, I'm on the spot here. And he stops crying. You remember this? And he looked at me and he said, let's go fishing. <laughs> January, February, Indiana... And so what did we do? We went fishing. We got our clothes on and we called, I called the neighbor and said, can we come fishing? He wanted to know what was wrong. I had to explain to him why we wanted to go fishing. And we went fishing. But I had to keep my promise. But I haven't kept every promise I've ever made of you. Sometimes we go back on our words. God cannot go back on his word and he will not. Jimmy was an eight-year-old boy in love with baseball, little league baseball. And he worried his mother to death about baseball. When are we going to practice? He wanted to know when the next practice was. She, I think he practiced Tuesday, Jimmy, Tuesday afternoon. I better call the coach and find out. Jimmy told his mom, so he called the coach. The coach said, yeah, Jimmy, Tuesday afternoon, five o'clock, we'll practice. Thanks, coach. The next morning, Jimmy wanted to call the coach and check with the coach. What time are we practicing? Is it still 5 o'clock Tuesday afternoon? Jimmy, it's 5 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. Okay, I, I'll be there. Every day, he just worried everyone to death about Tuesday afternoon, 5 o'clock. Tuesday came, and it started to sprinkle Tuesday morning. And as the day went on, it started to rain harder. At lunch, lightning, thunder, puddles everywhere. At 3.30, the downpour continued. At 4.30, it's raining. Mom looked at Jimmy and said, Jimmy, I'm, I'm really sorry. She went about her housework and she heard the door shut. Jimmy's gone. Jimmy went to the baseball field. And the coach who lived near the field looks out and sees that there's a kid on the baseball field, tells his wife, there's a crazy kid at the baseball field. Let me go see what they're doing. So the coach grabs his umbrella and his raincoat and he goes out of the downpour and he sees Jimmy in the field. Jimmy, what are you doing here? Can't you see it's too wet? 
We can't practice in this weather. Jimmy looked up at his coach and said, I told you I'd be here, coach. I like Jimmy, don't you? We need more Jimmys in this world. He kept his word. You ever been lied to? Does that make you mad, that push a button? Getting lied to will get to you. I had a relative, uh, distant relative, that made a lot of promises. When you get 16, I'll do this for you. When you get this age, I'll do this for you. We just learned to laugh at it because none of it ever happened. People will let you down. People will lie. God never will. And that should be so comforting. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5, has become one of my favorite verses of all time. Proverbs 35. Every word of God proves true. Every He's a shield to those who take refuge in Him. That's refreshing. Every word of God is true. If you know God's Word, and no matter how connected you are, the beginning of your journey, the middle of it, towards the end, you've known Him a few days or a hundred years, it doesn't matter. One of the things you know is that God loves you. Will that ever change? Steve, you might want to forget the camera. I'm going to go out here to see. Take a vote. Will it ever change? Does God love you? Does he love your brother? <laughs> I'm going to ask him the same question. Good. Does God love you? Does he love Lisa? I'm totally going to find So what do you think? Harry? He loves Georgia fans? All right. Mr. Hartsfield, he, okay. He love lawyers? Yeah. All right. <laughs> he love people from Texas? Okay. Charlie, I know you pretty well. He still lives? Yeah. All right, Martin. <laughs> you're from Kennesaw, but God love you? Yes, he does. Ed? Chris? He love your brother? You say, okay. This corner, God love you? Yes. And back at the sound booth. I'm going to the good guy just on the back row. Does God love y'all? Absolutely. Sir? Of course. Of course. Does God love y'all? Of course. Yes. Old Miss fans, does God love you? Yeah. Absolutely. You didn't say today, does God still love you? Alright. God love you? Yes. Everybody on your own? Yes. You're, you're from Cal State. Yep. God love you? You're from Tennessee. Does God love you? Nicholas, does God love you? Okay. Sir? From Nigeria, does God love you? Too much. Wow, good answer. Florida fans, I don't even want to talk to you. Colorado, does God love you? Absolutely. Jackie, you in on this? Okay. Another Ole Miss fan? God love you, Dennis. Ladies, David. God love y'all. This row. Helen. Huh. All right. Bill says he loves me too. Will that ever change? One of the definitions I heard years ago that was fascinating about the grace of God. 
is there's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me any less. He loves me. And he'll never go back on his word. Max Lucado tells a story about a mother named Maria and her daughter Christina. Christina was beautiful and they were in the third world country where things were tough. And not much future. But all the kids could really do is hang with the family and struggle together. But Christina became a beautiful, rebellious teenager and fled to the big city. Maria knew what Christina would have to do to make a living in the big city, and it wasn't pretty. And Maria went to rescue her daughter, and she didn't know how she would find her. So before she got on the bus to go to the big city, Maria went to the drugstore. She had a picture of herself, and she wrote on the, she made copies of the picture and wrote something on the back of them and got hundreds of them. Went to the big city and put them in bars and in hotels and in places she thought her daughter might frequent. Bathrooms, telephone booths, anywhere she could. The mother put her own picture hoping her daughter would see it with a message on she never did find her daughter while she was there. She went home weeping. A few weeks later, Christina was coming out of a hotel room, walking down a flight of stairs, and he looked on the bulletin board and saw a familiar face, the face of her mother. She took the message down, the picture down, and he'd written on the back was this invitation from mother to daughter. Whatever you have done, Whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home, mother. Isn't that perfect? That's what God does for us. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. Let's pray.